this pandemic, the craziness that we've gone through this last year has really spotlighted and highlighted why it's even more important to not only have a website, but to be present online and to take care of that website like you do your brick and mortar. With every business online, you have to work to make yourself stand out. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Now, more than ever, it's important to keep up on the latest marketing trends and topics, and this is just the spot. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 74 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing, the sponsor of this show. We empower strategic communication for small to medium-sized businesses. Today, our topic is good and my co-host is even better. Hi, Jen Cole. Oh my gosh. Hi, Megan. How are you today? Uh, I'm pretty good. You know, I haven't been getting a lot of sleep this week because of client um, stuff, but it's all good in the hood, yeah. as they say. Um, looking forward to sleeping in on Friday. <laughs> How, it's always how a good on, thing. In, yeah. How are things in your crazy world running a business <laughs> and working and kids and all that good stuff? Yeah, things are good. They are indeed busy. Now we have this new kitty cat. He's co-co-hosting. Can't see that though. <laughs> He's helping. I don't know. You know, it's just been kind of a whirlwind. The boys went back to school Monday and Tuesday and they're doing the rest of the week at home. It's kind of a weird new dynamic, another weird transition. But you know, it's been a year of weird transition. So we're, we're used to transitioning now. I got it. Co-sign that. (laughs) I saw today Merriam-Webster put out their 250 new words that are um, in the dictionary. And I wonder if co-sign is on there. Hard no is on there. Don't at me is on there. There, It's really interesting. I put a poll on Twitter today. So if you want to take my poll to see, I just chose. Anyway, kind of funny. So today we're talking about SEO. We have talked about this just once before about 18 episodes ago or so with Bree Anderson. And so when Diana Richardson spoke to us about coming on the show, I said, heck yes. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> yeah, it was such a great episode that I just had this inertia to like reach out and like, let's talk about it some more. And you know, it was just, it just seemed so natural. So for sure. And I think that it's a subject that we can't hear enough about because it's so important. And I know for me personally, I said this before, I will say it again. I don't know much more than I did back then. (laughs) It's not my, it's not my jam necessarily. Like I could totally learn it, but in the work that I've done, it's not been a key thing. And so I always love to learn. So let me give your bio. Talk to Diana about SEO, SEM, social media, or digital marketing strategy. She's done it all, and she loves to talk shop. Diana is the social media and community manager for the SEO division of SEMrush and has been a digital marketer for over 14 years, working with businesses of all shapes and sizes. She's headed up an entire search engine marketing team for a large company and has been a digital marketing director for a boutique marketing agency. A Virginia native, she's now living in Texas. You can find Diana tweeting regularly about SEO and the search engine marketing landscape as as well as her favorite topics, wine, movies, and TV. And for those of you listening who didn't recognize the company name,
in the way that I said it, we were just <laughs> discussing it's only been a month. SEM rush is now officially SEM rush. So. That's correct. Yeah, it's taking us all a little while to adjust. Speaking of a year of adjustments, like you were just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, for that's sure. one for us. That's another one for us here on the SEM rush team. <laughs> SEM rush is using remarketing. And after, yes, we're very good at remarketing. <laughs> I, I got, I just, just telling Diana, I got followed her on the internet this morning and there was an audio ad and it, and that's how I learned <laughs> that it's some Russian. I thought it was just me <laughs> having mispronounced it all this time, but no, no. <laughs> that's a very yeah. timely time for it to follow you around the internet today. So, that, you know, we can say it right on today's episode. <laughs> Don't forget. Don't, Don't forget right? today's podcast. <laughs> What's funny is I feel like that's a little fishy because I wasn't even searching mm-hmm. on it. I don't know how that happened. Hmm. It's creepy All right. how remarketing happens. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> audio, the audio land is listening. All right, Jen, it why don't you kick this off? <laughs> you know, it's always a good thing to review and kind of start back with the basics. So Diana, what is SEO and why should small business owners make it a priority? So I always like to preface this with, this is Diana language. This is how I'm going to, this is how I like to talk about it and how I explain it. I have not Googled by any means, but so search engine optimization, which is what SEO stands for, is the reoccurring and ongoing process of enhancing your website, like physically, like touching the website to boost its position within the search engine results page. So like when someone is actively searching for you and your products or your information, you're there. And that's kind of one of the greatest things I love about it is that it's a very active form of marketing. So there are as you guys know, like there's so many different paths, like in the SEO forest. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's, what it's not, I'll tell you what it's not, it's not like repeating your main keyword over and over again. It's <laughs> not getting as many backlinks as humanly possible. And it's not solely about Google. Although obviously we can't have a conversation about <laughs> SEO without talking about Google. But I will also say this too, SEO has evolved so much since I started in 2006. Not to date myself, but that totally dates me. <laughs> Man, I love the direction that it is going now because there's so much focus on and priority over like user experience. And there's priority on this quality information and answering questions, you know, targeting a person's intent as opposed to just like that keyword repetition and, you know, trying to write content back in the day when you had keyword density and it had to be this keyword this many times was as a content creator, (laughs) you're like, I'm so bored with what I'm writing. But I love that. And so, you know, gone are the days like where we could just put our competitors' names, in the meta tags and be, you know, rank right alongside those competitors. Nope. Now you got to put in the work. (laughs) You got to provide the value and it's hard, but it's a really good direction that we're going in. So second part of your question, I, we talked about this a little bit earlier too. So I work Mm -hmm. with many small businesses over the years and it can be like SEO can be super uh, like stressful for them, the super pain point for them. And because they, I think they feel kind of like what you were saying, Megan, like it's, it just doesn't come into like their daily world. They've heard about it. They know about it. They know it's important, but like, bah, how do you wrap your head around it? Right. And we were kind of talking about this earlier too, like the, this pandemic, the craziness that we've gone through this last year has really spotlighted and highlighted why it's even more important to not only have a website, but to be present online and to take care of that website like you do your brick and mortar. Like your brick and mortar 
or didn't happen overnight. Your current business reputation didn't happen overnight. You kind of have to treat SEO the same way. So small businesses really should prioritize SEO because we live in an online world, guys. We live in a digital world, like a plain and simple. And with everyone online, yeah, exactly. And so like with everyone online, with every business online, you have to work to make yourself stand out. Just like, I know I kind of already said this, like just how you built your storefront. So your website's presence is just as important as the work you put into your physical store. Yeah. Doubt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I have a client right now who I'm project managing a new website build and they're doing the building and they're handling the SEO completely. So yeah. So I like to put it in the the professional's hands, as they say. (laughs) Do they want a second opinion? No. It's not a bad idea. (laughs) That's funny. So speaking of that, that's so funny. Okay. So I want to talk about strategy. Looking at the competition is important. I actually, this is funny. I um, I was bidding on some business, a restaurant to do their social media. And I, I used some rush to look at the, at the competition. I'm, I did not get that business gratefully, actually blessing, you know, (laughs) sometimes that happens. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm still getting the update at the emails on the competitive (laughs) set, which of course with COVID has been with restaurants has been like, you know, know. crazy. So what opportunities can business use from a competitive analysis and, and how do you go about doing one? Yeah. So I've got a lot to say on this topic. So just a heads up. <laughs> but, buckle in, kids. Get your coffee. Buckle up. <laughs> so it's really cool what you mentioned that, that the conversation about SEO is happening at the beginning of this website build because that is where it starts to. And that is where competitive research starts to. So it is it is actually a huge fundamental part of laying that foundation of a website strategy and, you know, therefore marketing strategies. So I think especially for small businesses who don't have infinite budgets, which I wish they all did, you want to understand, you as a small business want to understand that the existing landscape before you invest in a marketing strategy. So you're not just blindly, well, Bob's shop is doing it, so I should do it. That's, mm-mm. don't ever do anything just because your competition is doing it. And they, PS, they might actually not be your real competition. So I'm going to come back to that in a second. So something else that's really useful in the beginning of planning an SEO strategy is understanding your SEO competitor. Oh, I just said this. I'm like repeating myself already. Is understanding your SEO competitors could be different from your brick and mortar competitors. So... Because, you know, you get a lot more business dealing with the World Wide Web than you do in, you know, your town or your city. Foot traffic. Yeah. 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 Foot traffic. It's, you know, you're on the World Wide Web. <laughs> so there's worldwide businesses. <laughs> and everyone's online, as we already said. So in the world of SEO, competitor research goes like beyond kind of comparing who is ranking higher in Google for which important keywords. Yeah, you want to keep an eye on things like that, which kind of like the repetitive report you said you were getting, Megan, is probably is <laughs> probably one of those. But you also can find a ton of opportunities when it comes to starting to uncover the gaps of your competitor's SEO and where you can like take advantage of those gaps. And there's like three big areas of gaps that I love is backlinks, keywords, and SERP features. So, and SERP features are like everything else on the Google results page besides the ads and the traditional links. 
So starting with the backlink though, doing a backlink gap analysis is going to reveal like which websites are linking to your competitors and not you. And that's really important because you can use that list of sites and reach out to them in order to get a backlink for yourself as well, because you know, they're already interested in your industry or your that similar content. So it's not a stretch for them to want to be connected with you too. The really like pro tip I want to share though is monitoring your competitors lost backlinks or backlinks that are linking to pages that no longer exist on your competitor's site. So now you already are cued into the backlinking sites like intent. It liked this content on your competitors, but now they've lost their connection. So you could kind of come in, swoop in and be the new connection. So it's actually a really great way to, you're not stealing. You're just being ninja about it, I guess. Yeah, no, (laughs) it's super super smart. And in fact, it's funny because as you just were saying that, I was like, I wonder if this web development company is actually using your tool and they're just (laughs) giving us the data. I don't know. It's possible. (laughs) We are kind of popular. I don't know. (laughs) So... (laughs) The other, so then one of the other, other big opportunities that small businesses can use in doing competitive analysis, like a keyword gap. So it's kind of self-explanatory in that these are like which keywords they are ranking for that you aren't and making sure that they are relevant to your industry. Cause sometimes you don't always have things in common, but it also kind of gives you an idea and a focus for your own optimization work in the future, like where you might need to strengthen your own content, where you might need to boost things up a little bit, boost efforts up a little bit because you're falling behind on important keywords or aren't ranking at all. So it's an interesting analysis there. And then a really, really cool feature of SEMrush is that we're also able to identify unique keywords that a competitor site is ranking for that neither you or additional competitors aren't ranking for. So it's like unique keywords specific to that competitive site. That'll help give you more keyword ideas, more content ideas. It just, instead of doing traditional keyword research, you can like get these ideas from what is being successful for your competitor and then you can enter the game. That's super cool. So yeah, it's a really cool strategy to, and a really interesting way to build up like the things that you're optimizing for, the things that you're writing about, the questions that you're answering and kind of just seeing what everybody else is doing and then just do it better. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right. so my my last one and then we'll move on, but this is my favorite one and it's going back to the SERP features. So, and I've been talking about this like a lot lately because I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. So (laughs) there's been a lot of talk in the SEO world, I think particularly at the end of 2020 and the beginning of this year about how much Google keeps you on Google now. So that's why like there's so many SERP features and that includes like reviews, images, site links, the local pack, you know, those are all SERP features. So you can research your competitor, see what keywords they are ranking for, see what, what SERP features they are triggering and what SERP features they are not triggering. And there's your gap of opportunity, the SERP features, they are not triggering. And then you can use that to maybe restructure your content. There's things you can do in the back end that will help you like be more prominent in those SERP features. And then you're not necessarily using your efforts to outrank them in the traditional organic listings, but you're taking up an extra opportunity and boosting your presence at a different space on the SERP results page. And I think that's just a really cool opportunity because you're, I mean, you're outranking your competitor there because they're, you know, those SERP 
TikTok features take up so much room before you get to those links, the traditional links, and they're not taking advantage of it. So you should. Absolutely. That's one of my favorite things right now that I'm looking at. What does SERP stand for? Mm. Search engine results page. Okay. So the Google page. <laughs> what did you Google right. search and search to get back? <laughs> I just, I just don't think I had ever heard that term before. So that's helpful. If you saw it written out, S-E-R-P, you would probably recognize it. It's a pretty like, yeah, it looks different than it kind of sounds. Like it actually makes more sense than a visual. Like if you saw the acronym. <laughs> yeah, I think in context, like when we're reading our articles, like if you're reading an, an SEO article, you're going to know, your, your yeah. brain will go there. Exactly. But it's all, all caps. It is all caps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it just means a Google page. <laughs> That's all it means. <laughs> so Diana, we're talking about SEO today and we're also talking about SEM. So why don't we just touch on a little bit, some of the main differences between the two? Yeah. They're two big different animals and they function very, very differently. Yeah. So. <laughs> SEO is, you know, you're not paying for your organic listing. You, you, you have to work for it. Mm-hmm. And I like to always think of like the O in SEO as organic. It actually stands for optimization, but I like to, I like to think of it as organic because it's the natural state of things. You're naturally updating your content. You're naturally making, you know, things better and improving and getting links and, you know, like there's this natural process and then that helps build up your rapport. Like that's why SEO takes so long too, because Google has to naturally recrawl and get to know you. And so it's this friendship building kind of process where paid search also takes a lot of work. There's, I'm not trying to degrade like how much work goes into paid search either, but that is a paid marketing tactic. So you are exchanging money for ad placement in that scenario. And things like having a good website and a good user experience do come into play into both SEO and SEM, but there's money exchanged with the search engine in an SEM standpoint for bidding on keywords and bidding on ad placements. So. Cool. Awesome. Search engine monetization is what it stands for, right? <laughs> Search engine marketing. Marketing. <laughs> ah, that's I would now I'm gonna think of the M as monetization because that makes a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. Kind of like organic it, makes sense for optimization and yeah. they, they both make I sense. I just always had that in my head. That's so funny. Huh. I, and whenever I think of, like, when I was first learning the two industries, I thought, oh, organic and M, money. So that's how, so it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, like, yeah. That's how I kept it straight in my own head. <laughs> that's so funny. All right. Maybe it will be. I'm going to change it. <laughs> um. <laughs> You're, like, challenged. <laughs> okay. So it, no secret to anyone who's listened, small and local business has been kind of my, my personal bread and butter since I started my agency in 2013. So what's the first piece, and it might not be the best, you know, in order of need, but what's the first piece of advice that you'd give to a small and or local business? Because they're not always the same thing, right? About how they should approach their SEO. So this is such a great question. And I love you for asking for it because my, most of my career has been working with small to medium and local businesses too. So this is like at the core of my heart and working with the customers like this. So, and I have found over the years, their biggest struggles are two things. They don't understand SEO and they have really small budgets. I can't really do anything about tight budgets. (laughs) It is what it is. But so my advice, the first place to start is to have someone explain SEO to you in a way that you understand. So the way that I explain it to you, you might not get it, like really get it. So go to someone else and then go to someone else and go to someone else. Because if you don't truly understand like the marketing strategy that is SEO and its impact on your business, you will never have buy-in. You will never prioritize it. 
You will never invest in it. And it hasn't, because it hasn't sunken in yet. And then also, but don't feel bad about like not understanding it too, because as a business owner, you are not a digital marketer. There are so many aspects of running a business. You would have to explain to me like over and over again, because, you know, I didn't even understand statistics until I got into marketing and like I was in front of my face. So there's like a lot of things that, you know, it's not your job to be a digital marketer. So it's okay that you don't understand it, but do yourself a favor and start by understanding all that is SEO because it's a big deal. But don't settle for somebody explaining it to you and you still have a ton of questions. Like make sure you find someone that can talk to you about it in a way that will connect the dots for you. It's really important. Yeah, I had a group of restaurants that I worked with. They were my anchor client for the first six and a half years of my of owning this company. And we would just like surface talk about SEO from time to time. And I, every time we had this conversation, I had to tell them that that's not in my scope. You need it, <laughs> but it hasn't been done. And I you like, this is a whole other thing. And so it kept getting put off as a result. Yeah, but you bring up a good point too. Like not every marketer is experienced in all aspects right. of marketing. And I've been a marketer for a very long time. And there are still so many concepts of marketing that I don't know how to produce a TV commercial. Like, I don't know how that works. <laughs> but, you no, know, when they talk to us, they think of us as always kind of holistic. And especially if you're dealing with something in a digital medium, like if you are, if you're buying like digital media space, then they kind of think that you also do SEO or paid search. Or if you do search engine optimization, you're also a social media specialist. And that's <laughs> very rarely the case. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, kind of like... Like everyone who's in marketing is supposedly a social media marketer, which is also right. right. Or knows how to build a website. <laughs> like right, right. I mean, I That's think there are specialty. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. There are those unicorns, like somebody you can hire who can do content and do social media, who can also you know handle your website, like myself. But I was gonna say, like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but SEO. But again, SEO is still not 100% my jam. Yeah. All right, so it's brain break time. Yeah. And we're almost at exactly halfway. I love it. Nice. All right, so I let Jen come up with our brain break topic. She got deep. I don't know my answer, but <laughs> she came up with it. So I'm going to make her answer first. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here it is. If you were to get completely out of your comfort zone and do something you're terrified of with the peace of knowing that everything will end up okay, what would it be and why? This is hard for me because there's not much I'm terrified of that I would actually want to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. Jen, like I'm terrified your... to be the president, but I still wouldn't want to try that ever. <laughs> that, would be, that would be crazy. That's suicide. Yeah. So yeah, that's no. not my answer. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, oh, yeah, just even thinking about the idea of doing it is making my palms sweat. So this would be, you know, so my boyfriend, Tim, uh, used to be a paratrooper back in his army days. He used to jump out of airplanes. Yep. And heights is one of my big old, no, no, no. I prefer just to be on the ground. I don't want to be underwater. I don't want to be above the ground. I just want to be on the ground. <laughs> and so the, the thing that I would do if I knew that everything was going to end up okay would be to go jump out of a plane with them with a parachute whatever they call that these days. Skydiving? You know, skydiving. Skydiving. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that with Tim. Aww. I think that would be cool. He would keep you safe. He kind of, sounds like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. And it feels safer with a buddy too. Like I always thought I might like. getting like... a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or something totally the same thing. tattoo. <laughs> no, definitely not. All right, Diana. So I'm kind think? of with you. I'm like, I have a thing with like ledges. Mm -hmm. So I'm very clumsy. 
And I know if I go to like Yellowstone or like look at the Grand Canyon, I'm going to fall to my death. Like, I just know because I'm going to slip. I'm not, and I'm not even like the kind of person that would like, I would stay away from the cliff. But the thing that terrifies me at the Grand Canyon is that clear, you know, the clear platform that people walk out on. It seems very safe because I don't, I've never heard of any bad accidents, but I know if like I walked out on it, it would probably crack. Like just, <laughs> it would be a freak of nature or something would happen. But if I knew everything would be okay, I might go do it just because I think the view would be once in a lifetime, right? Like what, right. That, oh my God, like seeing into the Grand Canyon at that kind of perspective. But yeah, I just, me and ledges, I'm going to fall. That's yeah, funny. I, so I'm are, the same way. <laughs> are you one of those people who would look at the pictures I take, you know, like in those high skyscrapers with the glass floor that you could see the ground below that would drive you that would be hard for you Whoa, to look uh, at okay uh, uh, <laughs> uh, like yeah like it just yeah i was in vegas many many years ago and they have and one of the hotels has a big tall thing and there's a coast a roller coaster at the top of the building and all it does is yeah. it like well it just goes off the edge and like comes back uh. and like goes off the edge and comes back like that's all it does and i was in the building like with the glass around it and you could see the coaster like come off the edge. And every time I did that, I was just like, Whoa, like I'm, I'm like safely in the building. Like I'm not falling anywhere, but like just seeing other That's people doing that. Right like, <laughs> My, I have the a only good noise friend. that describes the feeling. Yeah. I have a good friend just like that. I did the big shot, which is at the tip of the stratosphere where you shoot straight up like 3G. Oh, no. um, and yeah, Thank she you. had to stay, she had to stay inside. Okay. So <laughs> mine, I have jumped out of an airplane. I have bungee jumped uh, 150 feet. I have uh, paraglided off a cliff in Switzerland. I, you know, I'm not afraid of many things, but as you were talking, I thought, well, probably scuba diving because whereas heights, I don't have a thing with heights. I kind of, I have a thing with water. Mm -hmm. I almost drowned when I was seven. So I think it stems from that. Although I'm not, I like to be, I'll go in water. I like to be on it and around it. I will even snorkel, but like the thought of being weighed down by 45 pounds of a like is just, ugh. yeah. So probably that if I knew mm-hmm. I'd totally be okay and that everything would work and that <laughs> I would enjoy it and I wouldn't mm-hmm. get any kind of sickness yeah. coming up too fast. Be okay. And maybe there was like a cocktail waiting for you at the end uh, of it. Like, <laughs> well, there's always got to be a cocktail waiting after the end of anything. <laughs> I would say like that would be worthy of a bottle. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, oh, it's so funny too, the timing, because uh, nine years ago today, I was arriving in the Great Barrier Reef. And, um, oh, and that would have been, that would have been a place to do it, right? But I did, I snorkeled and I did a, you know, a boat that had a underwater thing so we could see the turtles and stuff like that. Oh, that's so, really cool. Yeah. So, okay. Jen, you wanna... <laughs> Back to business? Back yeah. to business. We're going to dive in and get real. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, we just dove in and got real. So, all right. So in life and in everything else, people are always looking for shortcuts. They're always looking to cut corners and find hacks. So what are some tempting hacks that might seem, you know, kind of like a viable SEO shortcut, but could actually be damaging? And why should people stay away from trying to hack the system? Oh, man. (laughs) So yeah, in Diana's sphere, I am not a fan of the word hack. Yeah. I think it's either a smart strategy or it's not. not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're either making a good decision or an educated decision or you're not. <laughs> it's either an effective tactic 
or it's not. So like there's, you got to pick one or the other. So I also think that the search engines have gotten a lot smarter over the years and have a lot of monitoring and triggers in place to prevent and like detect something that isn't right. And even if you do it now and you kind of get away with it, like it's likely they're going to figure it out in the future. So we touched on this earlier too, like the O for me, the O in in SEO means organic. So natural, right? So like anything that doesn't seem natural, anything that seems a little iffy, just go, just stay clear of it. Anytime you hear the word hide, anytime like you hear (laughs) the word like black hat or something like that, just stay away, just stick to the good old stuff. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really great strategies that have been effective in SEO year after year after year. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Um, So SEO doesn't really have a lot of shortcuts. There's a reason for that. So just do good and you'll get better results for it. It'll take a little bit longer. I know, I know, but you'll, you'll get better results for it. (laughs) Well, well, and here's the thing though. You're also, when you're doing that and you're not being shady, you're creating a better experience for your users too for your, the people that are visiting your website and you are, interacting and with you. And your brand. So what happened, like, do you guys remember the JCPenney thing? It will, it happened like a bajillion years ago, but they bought a bunch of backlinks and they dropped completely out of the search engine results because of it, because they tried to take a shortcut. And that can also hurt your brand. I think JCPenney mm-hmm. has rebounded from that. Cause again, this was like a million years ago, but you can hurt your brand. And if you're having questionable strategies that you're implementing, then people are going to start wondering like, what else are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So just, just stay on the up and up. You'll be fine, I promise. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for having integrity. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Big deal, right? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned backlinks, both for good and for bad. Um, (laughs) So for those who are listening who might not know, what is a backlink? And if you use them, how do you actually monitor them? Yeah, good question. And I'm so glad we're talking about this because I actually find it's much easier to verbally explain (laughs) what a backlink is than try to like, anytime I've ever tried to explain it in like an email or something, I'm like, I'm using the word link so many times right now. (laughs) But a backlink is a link from another website to yours. So it's a connection. You're making a friend, you're making a bond. And they hold a lot of weight in SEO because you, the backlinking site, are saying, hey, this other site is super great. Please leave me to go check it out. So you're sending traffic away from you and that's really valuable. I mean, if you think about if you did that in, in a business world too, like you can't provide the service that this person needs. So you verbally recommend like this other person to do it for you and you are sending business away from you. So it holds just like it holds like a personal recommendation holds a lot of weight in, you know, human to human interaction. That's kind of the search engine equivalent is like a backlink. So most websites have them, like pretty much all of them have them, even if they don't have a lot, that's okay. And it's part of the way you build up your street cred in the search engines. The thing to keep in mind Mind, though, is that search engines also evaluate the quality of the site that's linking to you. So it's best to pursue links from other quality websites as opposed to get, just gaining lots and lots and lots of backlinks. You want them to come from industry relevant sources. You want them to come from news relevant sources, your local sources. I love one of my favorite strategies for local businesses was pulling from other local businesses, radio stations, newspapers, events you're sponsoring. Those are all really great local sources. And that's important for local SEO because that's also also giving like context clues to the search engines about the audience that you serve and how involved you are in that community. And they take that into consideration. I was actually just going to use the word context just to get to give people context on this. In other (laughs) words, having a 
another organization or business mention you in their blog posts. They're not just like listing. It's within context Mm -hmm. on their site in a way that makes sense for them to be sharing information about you, right? Yeah. For it to be a link, it has to link to you as opposed right. to a mention. So just as right, if, right, if right, you right. just mentioned SEMrush in an article, that's a mention. That's great. But it would be awesome if you could also link to us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Hot link is what I was. Yeah. 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 If for the <laughs> dinosaur that I am, that's what we used to call them. Hot links. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Is that not what they're called now? I don't even know. They're just, I, I don't even, yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> you're, just link. Link. you're just linking. <laughs> I am so old. Okay. What would be so, a cold link? <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. I mean, hot meaning like it goes somewhere. That's so funny. I am. You're saying you're old. I'm like, I'm old. I'm old. So yeah, no, for sure. But I, I do. My experience in the beginning days of this was that people would try to trade links with yeah. us. And they were just listing like, these are the companies that we you know, appreciate. And they were just like putting a list of companies that, you know, with links to it. And that's not cool, right? No. And I mean, you could have lists also have their place, but if it's, you know, again, the search engines have gotten so smart that they can understand that this is BS and they can understand someone's making a top 10 list of, you know, fantastic nonprofits to contribute to. They can also understand the difference between a thank you for our sponsors page, because often those have like logos everywhere and, you know, lots of links there, but that page has context to it. Now, is that page really going to rank for a lot of stuff? Probably not, because there's not a whole lot of intent. There's not a whole lot of reason for me, some random person to find a thank you to our sponsors page, you know, so it, it'll have its place, but the search engines are good at understanding like the intent and the context around that and what's just crap to be crap. Right, right. And does it matter what if it opens a new tab? Oh, or please, a new please or make all links that link off of your website open to a new tab. Agreed. If, if you I want, just, if you agree, just yeah. save up every time I, it opens into a new window, like a little piece of my soul dies. Like it's just the best way to have a user experience. It makes it easier for them to come back to you if it opens into a new tab, but just for the love of the Google gods, please, and my sanity, please open new links into a new tab that go off your website. Keep them on your website in the same window. Right. Yeah. So you mentioned monitoring too, and it's important to keep tabs on your backlink profile, but as your site grows, that can get more difficult. So using tools like SEMrush, of course, I'm going to plug SEMrush here. There's others, but SEMrush is the best, of course. And um, (laughs) and you can keep, you know, automated reports checking on, you know, how many backlinks are coming to your site, the quality of those backlinks, anything potentially harmful that's linking, linking to your site. And then you're able to take action on any kind of backlink you want to separate from, and it links to you know your search console, which is Google Search Console is Google's entity where they monitor a lot of the backend technical aspects of your website, um, as opposed to Google Analytics, which is monitoring your traffic. So if you if you haven't heard of what Google Search Console, it's the techie kind of side of your website. But a lot of your backlink information is housed there too. So you can pull in that data into SEMrush and just keep a regular, a nice visual report. There's tables of backlinks, and you can you know yeah just keep your eye on what's going on with your backlink progress because it's it gets overwhelming sometimes like sites get a lot of backlinks yeah especially as organizations grow and like the parent idsa the infectious diseases society of america mm-hmm. i mean think about how many covid-19 backlinks are 
that they're that yeah. they're working with. It's crazy. And how important though, I mean, and those backlinks are going to be important even in the future as because, you know, even as this gets out of the media and we have a vaccine for it, we're still going to need to understand infectious diseases. So that's a great yeah. example of evergreen content too, and a link that'll be beneficial for many years to come. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, everything comes with maintenance and I, I know that <laughs> SEO absolutely is, you know, stranger to that. So what are some ways to, that people can effectively and regularly maintain, you know, how they're performing in, in search engine results? Yeah, I love that you just use the word regularly because that hits the nail on the head (laughs) with how you do it. Consistency and commitment are definitely primary to keeping things on the up and up. Having regular reports, like running from tools like SEMrush and Search Console, like we just talked about, um, that check on the health and the technical side of your website are also really helpful to kind of keep things updated. So I'm kind of an out of sight, out of mind kind of person. So as as an SEO, these reports like keep like, te- so like technical SEO is behind the scenes. You're not, it's not a misspelling. It's not like something visual you can easily see on your live website. So for me, that was a little bit more tricky to keep track of. And so we found like a tool that could give us these nice like backend reports. And because technical SEO, those aspects of your site have become so important in the performance and the ranking of your website, I, just do yourself a favor and have a regular report. I mean, do a monthly and just make sure like issues are being taken care of, make sure there's nothing new but it'll help keep you up to date as to what's going on there. And then also keep your content updated when necessary. This does not mean you need to go in and update stuff every single day, unless it makes sense for your business. That's just not give you a schedule. It means do it when it is necessary. And if the information on your website isn't updated a lot, like I've worked with dentists in the past and their teeth cleaning is a teeth cleaning is a teeth cleaning, tooth cleaning, wrong English there, but you know, their information didn't really change. So we encourage them to start a blog so that they could have some fresh content and it wasn't anything they did daily. They did it about once a week and that was great. And they got very nice traction from something like that. So it's okay if your site isn't fluid and it's not Amazon, that's always updating every freaking second of the day. That's okay. Don't force it because that's going to create a negative user experience. It's going to look weird. It's going to create more work than you need to do, but add elements to it. You know, maybe add an updated video. Maybe you just were on the news, like add an updated video to your homepage when that happens. Maybe start a blog and, you know, write about something cool. Maybe create like a page of like fun online conferences that you're really into this year and keep that list updated. You know, there's other ways to like keep things fresh if your content doesn't need to be updated on um, every day or regularly. Super helpful. Okay, so we have one final like SEO related question, and then we have a couple of other quick ones. Social media. I want it. So a lot of people, and we talked about this with Bree a little bit, don't understand that their social media has a tie to SEO. So how can small businesses use social media to help their SEO? And is there a difference between paid and organic social media when it comes to this? So. just like people, like digital marketing is all interconnected because at the heart of it, we are connecting people and people are interconnected. So it makes sense that there, I mean, there is no, in my experience, there is no direct correlation between the amount of Facebook posts you post and your Google rankings. And there's a reason for that because they are different platforms. You could be posting crap over here and quality over here. There's a reason for that. Google does show tweets in the search results. So being active there could, being the operative word, help you get 
you know, if you could help get a tweet to show there. But Google's really finicky about this because they like to show things like current events, breaking news, hot topics. So if you, again, I, I'm using a dentist example. If you're a dentist that just added a new, a new service and you tweet about it, you probably aren't going to get like the Google Twitter coverage <laughs> because like no one, it's not really a hot topic that you now offer Invisalign. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> being active on social media is really important for from a community perspective. And it keeps your brand and your business top of mind when people are not on search engines. So it's all about balance. It's all about exposure. And the difference between organic and paid social are you know, just like different SEO and SEM, they're different animals. Um, and it can be really tough, especially for small businesses. I, I think, again, just in my experience, it, to achieve the organic reach on certain platforms, meaning like getting the eyeballs on your post or your tweet um, or that article or whatever, or your video, it's just really tricky with organic reach sometimes. So paid in, again, Diana opinion here, paid and organic social work really, really well together. Boosting your posts, which is a paid, which is an active paid social can help give that post a little bit more momentum. It can put it in front of eyes who have not experienced your social media page yet. And you don't have to put a ton of money behind it too. You can boost a post for a few dollars. So it doesn't have to be this huge, large investment, but it can get you some new interest. So I'm a fan. I like using them both, but you also have to play around with the platform. Twitter, for example, is a really great active platform in there. You can increase your organic reach by the connections that you make. I, th I mean, Facebook works that way too, but Facebook is tricky. So, you know, Twitter yeah. is, a, is a really engaged community. And so right. if you participate, then your exposure grows and that's how you can build momentum there and without having to really pay for it. Where like, I've had a lot of success with paid Facebook ads in getting new you know, followers to my clients' pages, engagements on important posts. You don't need to boost every single post. You can boost like just the fun ones or the really important ones um, and things like that. So Troy Sandage, who's a past guest. Yes, um, I love Troy. Show. He was on our Twitter chat a few weeks ago. Oh, awesome. <laughs> he's been doing all the things. He's been yeah, everywhere. He's such I a love great, it. He's such a great positive vibe. I love talking to him. No, for sure. So he on Twitter, he said, mm -hmm. hey, will you Google me? Google me by my name and by my Twitter handle. He was like doing an experiment. He wanted to see which, I think, which came up higher, which mm -hmm. were. So, and his tweet saying that came up in my <laughs> I was like dang talk about quick indexing but did it also have to do with the fact that I had engaged with that oh no I hadn't replied to the tweet yet I had I'd seen it but I hadn't replied to the tweet yet and you but you saw it on Google or you saw it on Twitter I saw it on Google I saw his request on Twitter and I went straight to Google and his tweet was there in the top like three yeah, and the, yeah because he it's a well it was a branded search so, and especially like personal brands, that's a lot of like the SERP features that we were talking about earlier come up a lot with like super branded searches and especially personal brands. So you probably even got like his little knowledge panel on the side, like all about him. He's a very prominent personal branded person. So I'm not surprised that the tweet got some extra traction there. But I mean, it's I mean, it's Google paying attention and providing you the relevant information. And it made sense because your search query made sense to his Twitter. So it, it connected the dots for you. I don't know if it really had to do anything with you engaging on it. Yeah. But I mean, because like I said, I didn't. I think it I, more I, has to do with his personal brand presence on Google. Right. But I think that came up in the in his name, not in his handle. It came up high. No, higher. because but his handle is Find Troy or something. I think, and that yeah. that is personally branded 
for him. So Google can make those connections too. And that's oh, how it can okay. understand like there's there's like these author tags that you can put in the behind the scenes code of your website that in case you have like, you know, a different name here and there, but they can, if you can connect the dots, like Google can connect the dots between different forms of your name and, and things like that, especially for personal brands. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So we have one final question. We like to ask this. We don't ask it every time, but we ask it of most guests. We like to learn what you're excited about, what you're hot on in terms of tech, gadgets, apps. What's the fun thing for you these days? I'm obsessed with Clubhouse right now. (laughs) I think, I mean, surprise, surprise, the person who likes to talk on podcasts is interested in the, in the platform that talks about stuff. Audio, audio, (laughs) audio, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I love that it's just audio. I think that's like, what a, I wish my brain worked where I could spot like niche needs like that. Like the creators of Clubhouse really saw the industry need to have verbal conversations without having to be on Zoom, without having to be on Google Hangouts or whatever. Like they really saw like this market for people wanting to have conversations with other people. And I think it's fascinating. I love that I can talk to, you know, it's one thing to tweet to one of the people that you admire, but it's another to be like in the same room, have them hosting this conversation and they bring you up as a speaker. Like, it's so cool. I love that it's an app. So it's on your phone, which we all mostly have with us anyways. So I can listen to it while I'm, you know, parked. I was going to say if in you're, the car, if but you're an iPhone user, just and if you're qualified. like not iPhone, iPhone, <laughs> yeah, if you're an iPhone, it's iPhone only right now. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. you know, like I love podcasts and you learn so much, but the cool thing about Clubhouse is you can contribute to the conversation. Right. And I just think that's a really format, especially for digital marketers. We love talking shop, man. Yeah, we do. It's great for us. <laughs> yes. And like anything else, weeding out the, you know, make 8 million figures in five days. <laughs> <laughs> kinds of groups. <laughs> just leave that room. Yeah, yeah. Leave that room. Yeah. I like the recent update where you can just swipe away rooms like that and you won't, then they'll come up. They won't come up in the algorithm for you. Nice. So, I didn't know that yeah. you've done that. Me either. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like they're nice. pulling a little bit of like Tinder functionality in there. <laughs> totally. No likes. Don't like you. Swipe up. left on that room. 100%. <laughs> All right. To the left. Well, Diana, this has been so much fun. Thank you for teaching us and teaching our listeners. I know everyone will get a ton of, of value. Thank you for listening to me ramble. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was great. That was all added value, girl. <laughs> I hope so. I love, I love talking. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> It'd be really boring, but I could do it. <laughs> yeah. Jen and I will be in your clubhouse room where you talk about <laughs> SEO. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And thanks, Jen. Yes. Yes. Appreciate you and your cat co-hosting. Yeah, Edgar. Edgar. He's an amazing co-host. He (laughs) ran away. Tim got here. And so he went to a (laughs) cuddle. He's cuddling with Tim now. Went to dad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, friends. This has been... Okay. We're on. We're coming up on episode 75. We got a milestone episode. And I'm not sharing who the guest is right now but right. <laughs> we are waiting to hear back with bated breath on the rock star oh, that we hope will, nice. will be our guest 75 not our guest 75 because we've had a lot more than that but um, yeah. episode 75. So. <laughs> all right thanks everyone can't wait to hear i can't wait for the big reveal is it me is it me guys like, <laughs> just wait to come back right away part two <laughs> <laughs> It's a surprise even to me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This has been episode 74 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time. Bye.